This is our second Sunday in a new sermon series or a sermon series that we're doing called Healthy Christ Followers. The idea behind it is recognizing that our Christian life is more than just reading our Bible and praying. Our Christian life encompasses everything that we do, everything we are, everything that we act in, and God's desire for us is that we become healthy people. And health is something that is measured all around. It's a, it's a, large, it's a large thing, and, uh, and so we are looking at different health measurements. So one of the health measurements that we have is uh, last week we talked about mental health. And mental health is very important for us. Um, how we're able to, to use our devotions, how we're able to use our prayer, how we're able to use our thoughts and our, the way we consider things to keeping us in community and keeping us in, in a good uh, mental health place. And today um, we have, um, we are going to be talking about our, our physical health, our body, and how we keep our body healthy um, and, and that is a very spiritual act. Our Bible passage for the entire sermon series is found in first, third John, third John chapter, sorry, there are no chapters in third John. It's going to be one of those really easy ones to read in a day. Um, there are no, no chapters. So it's third John two. It says, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And so this is a prayer of blessing, and it is a prayer for us today, too, that, that, it would, that we would be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And, uh, and so today, as we talk about physical health, I, I was reflecting in the Bible, in a common spot in the Bible, when we look at physical health, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27, it says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run in a way that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we keep ourselves um, in, in our disciplines to receive an, imper- an imperishable crown is what he's referring to. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I find myself disqualified. He's talking about our spiritual practices. He's talking about what we do as Christians to stay, you know, aligned with God and aligned with what he's doing. But he's using a metaphor of physical health. One of the things about the first century that's very different from 21st century is our occupations, how we spend our time. I know that it's a big trend that everybody's got, you know, smartwatches and the benefit of a smartwatch, which you'll notice I don't have, I destroy watch bands. That's why I don't have a watch at all. Um, but the benefit of a smartwatch is it makes you aware of how active you are of what you're doing with your, with your body because so many of our jobs are now stationary jobs. We do, many of us do things that don't involve the same type of physical exercise that just living in the first century did. So when people lived in the first century, they walked everywhere. They did everything manually. They were always physically 
moving and doing things, whereas now we have a lot of different options. When I get up in the morning, uh, my office is, I'm really lucky, I have a really long commute. My office is less than two kilometers from my home. And I drive, faithfully, every day. And so I drive two kilometers. There are people in this room, since you know my wife set a standard, there are people in this room who drive less to work every day. <laughs> Um, and, and there are people in this room that, 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 you know, their work has them sitting. And so what's happened is physical health is something that's, that's actually challenging to think about. It's like, yeah, I want to be healthy, but what do I do? How do I do this in my life and the way that my life is structured? How do I make sure I'm healthy? And so what I've done today is I've invited somebody who has spent a lot of his life talking about and, and learning about physical health. And so I've invited um, Greg to come today. Um, Greg is an entrepreneur. Uh, he started his own gym uh, called Matrix of Motion in Newmarket, and it is an amazing gym. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to show up tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, but it's a great gym. Greg started it because he studied kinesiology and he has, uh, he's learned some different techniques for, for how to help people through with their health and he's, and he's got amazing insight into what we can do in our world to be healthy. And so these, these uh, come from Greg's supplier. Um, and these are actually a really cool band to, that, that can help us stay healthy. Greg might explain something about these, and he's got other resistance bands. He's going to be showing us some cool exercises and some ways that we can think about our physical health as to glorify God in our physical bodies. And so that's really important. So, Greg, come on up. Um, I know that Greg is very, very healthy. I got to go on a mission trip with Greg, and that mission trip was a challenging trip. My oldest daughter was only 10 months old, and everybody got sick, like violently ill. It was bad, right, Greg? It was, it was pretty awful, except for Greg and John. So <laughs> Greg and John in the back corner, they didn't get sick because they're physically healthy. So this is why, <laughs> this is why I think that Greg should come and, and talk to us. So I'm really interested and, and looking forward to learning. Perfect. Thank you. Um, before I start, is, do I need the mic? Uh, okay. So I do, uh, I'm, I like to be somewhat interactive, so at, at times I'll need somebody around here just to give me a hand with some stuff. Um, my name is Greg Moulton. I am the owner of Matrix Motion. Uh, it's a family-run business that we have in Newmarket. I'll give you guys a kind of a background on myself as uh, a starting point, so that you kind of know where I'm coming from and, and where um, my health and fitness passion has come from. Uh, maybe. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> So I've been an athlete my whole life. Uh, I grew up playing baseball, hockey primarily. I played junior A hockey um, prior to going to university and I just thought the most logical um, next step for me was to study kinesiology because that's what an athlete should do is, is study kinesiology. Um, so I went to York University, I studied there. Um, after my second year, I was questioning the things that I was being taught um, by my professors. 
So everything that we were being told was a, a one-size-fits-all kind of scenario where regardless of your, your starting point, or regardless of your, your current physical level, um, you all had to go through the same assessments, the same testing protocols, and, and the same um, path. And that just made no sense to me whatsoever. Because if, if you are an individual who has never worked out before in your life, you probably shouldn't be doing the same things as somebody who has been working out for months or years or their entire life. It just, the, what I was being told just didn't, it didn't quite add up to what I thought should be appropriate. Um, so before I dropped out of university, uh, I decided to get a job in the fitness industry and actually get some hands-on experience. And that was the best thing that I ever could have done. Um, because I had the chance to actually experience for myself what it was like in the fitness world uh, and to actually see that when you take a, a, a university, a, a classroom lecture kind of setting and you put it into a, a real world scenario, the results are completely different. So when I got my first job in the fitness industry, we are, I was exposed to two different thought processes, and that's, that's kind of what it will hopefully kind of cover off a little bit today. Um, one is something called muscle activation techniques. It's um, a hands-on manual therapy. And the other is something called the resistance training specialist. So that basically teaches physics, and that's kind of where my passion comes from. I'm a science nerd, um, so hopefully I'll keep it pretty low-key for everybody. Um, but I might get a little sciencey at times. So basically, the, the one thing, I, I, the, the question I want to be able to answer for everybody today um, comes down to this, where is exercise enhancing efficient motion or reinforcing compensation? So we exercise to improve how well our body's going to move. But are you actually accomplishing what you think you're accomplishing? So we'll come back to that. I'm gonna, we'll, we'll, that's kind of the big thing that we're going to look for. Um, let's talk about this muscle activation technique thing, it's MAT kind of for short. So MAT is a systematical approach for evaluating and correcting muscular imbalances that could potentially contribute to injury, impede recovery, or compromised performance. What does that mean? There's a whole lot of blank faces after that one. That's basically a fancy term for, we're trying to, we're trying to create balance within your body. So after years of certain movements, and that could be if you drive a car for long periods of time, um, hopefully longer than two kilometers to work. Um, but if you drive a car and you always lean on your door, you've now created this compensation that you are reinforcing day in and day out. If you are a landscaper and you're shoveling and you're always shoveling with the same hand, you're now creating this compensation. And so MAT offers an opportunity to, to identify those compensations and work towards um, reestablishing a more efficient environment. So, do you guys like Starbucks? Right? It's a great spot, okay? So, let's, another thing for me, I'm an analogy kind of person, so I'm gonna give you guys a lot of analogies today to hopefully make this all make a lot more sense. So we're gonna talk Starbucks just for a moment. So let's say you've got five construction workers. And in order to get whatever that job is done within a day, they'll have to put in 20% of work. And that's going to create 100% for whatever that job is. They're trying to build out or dig out a foundation, right? 
if three of those guys said, oh, forget this, I, I, I don't want to work too hard, I, I'm going to Starbucks. I'm going to go grab myself a mocha, frappuccino, whatever, and, and let those other two guys do all the work. Well, those other two guys still have to complete that job. They are still required to dig out that foundation. So they're now doing 50% each of what they're required to do rather than just that 20%. That is going to create two guys that are going to be very angry. They're going to be mad at the three that are now at Starbucks. They want to be there too, but they know that something still has to get done. So if, if everybody were to go, then that's a disaster. Bringing this into a muscular standpoint now, so let's say we have a joint. That joint has, I'm going to arbitrarily say, five muscles that has to control it. If each muscle is doing 20% of the work, you know that that joint is 100% controlled by those five muscles. That is our ideal scenario. We want that type of a scenario. Chances are we don't have that because of those compensations that I spoke about earlier. MAT is going to take the opportunity to identify the three muscles that are at Starbucks and the two muscles that are actually doing the work. Now, the two muscles that are doing the work, they're going to create tension, potentially cause pain, limit your range of motion, um, and these are all adverse effects. We don't want to have that. But I'm not concerned about that because those are muscles that are still working. Right? We want our muscles to work. I'm more concerned about the muscles that are not doing their job. And if we can re-engage those muscles that aren't working, we're going to create a more balanced environment for them to work in. So far, so good. Right? Perfect. Can I get you to hold on to that? Sure. Perfect. So let's say this is a muscle. It's a resistance band, but we're going to call this a muscle. It's attaching to me. I'm bone. Your name? Jason. Jason? It's attaching to Jason, who's the other bone. Whoa. That was loud. There is always tension in a muscle. So when I pull on this, you can feel a pull on the other end. Our muscles constantly are under a game of tug of war. And it's a matter of who's winning the tug of war that's going to create motion. Now, if I have a muscle that's not doing its job properly, there's going to be some slack. And when your nervous system says contract and, and do a job and I go to pull, there's, there's no result for you. You feel nothing. That is a muscle, that's one of those three muscles that are hanging out at Starbucks. We don't want that. So we want to re-engage that tension. Right? Thank you. Did that, that make sense again? <laughs> Everybody, Jason. <laughs> So how does this help you? So we, we covered off kind of what, what a muscle does, its job, it's that tug of war, it needs to be under tension. What does that mean for you? Why do you guys care about that? And, and this is now, it's a new year. Everybody's saying, let's get those goals, those resolutions, we're gonna get into exercise and fitness, and, and how, what would be the first thing, if, if you've never exercised before, what is one of the first things that somebody might do to start exercising? And this is, this is actually a question. Research, sure, if, if you're that type of person. Walking, fantastic idea. When you take that a step further, maybe running, right? No, no running. Okay, we're just going to stick with walking. So
So if, if you were to start walking, let's say you walk five kilometers, right? Assuming, for easy numbers, one stride is a meter. That means you have now taken 5,000 strides in that five kilometer walk, right? That's 2,500 strides per leg. More than what you're used to doing already. Does that sound like a lot? You're okay with it. Now, what if I were to say you were to come into the gym and I say, for on your very first workout, we're gonna do 2,500 push-ups. Not a chance, right? Like that, you would, you would just laugh at me. You would walk out of that gym so fast and say, I'm never going back to that guy because he is nuts, right? That's what we have to think about though. So off the top of your head, walking, and it's, everybody walks, it's no big deal. So let's just, just get into a walking routine. We, f we always forget to think about those individual aspects that build up to that though. The, the 2,500 reps that we're now adding into our body as additional stress that we might not be accustomed to. So when you start an exercise routine, you wanna make sure that it is the least amount of unaccustomed exercise that you start with. So five kilometers tends to be a, a good starting point as you hear a lot of people say, but maybe it's better to just start with 500 meters. Build to a kilometer or let yourself grow from that point. A lot of people will get into like a Zumba class or um, boot camp or, or something along those lines. But it's, it's a matter of just making sure that you ease your way into that. Now, I look at exercise as on a continuum. So there is no such thing as cardio per se or strength training or anything like that. There's just a continuum. It's exercise. So on one end of the spectrum, you might have a, a marathon runner who's running kilometers upon kilometers upon kilometers every single week. And then on the other end of that spectrum, there might be a bodybuilder who is lifting really heavy weight every single time he's in the gym. And within that spectrum will fall every single kind of exercise that there is. So all exercise is a form of resistance exercise. It's just recognizing where on that spectrum you're actually working. Still good? So, there are three types of muscle contractions. One is called a concentric, one's an eccentric, one's an isometric. Does anybody know what those are? All right, so a concentric muscle contraction. That is where your muscle is actually shortening in length. So in the example of a bicep curl, that would be when my bicep is shortening and I'm, I'm actually lifting a weight. An eccentric contraction is where my muscle is lengthening, so it would be the lowering portion of that weight. And an isometric would be where I am pushing on an object that I cannot move and my muscle is still contracting. So dynamic movement, any type of, of dynamic exercise, lifting weights, running, classes, that would be a combination of concentric, eccentric type work as we're moving through a given motion. That is where most people would start. And I would argue that you want to start from more of an isometric world. So before you add in unaccustomed amounts of exercise or, or dynamic movement that you're not used to, you want to make sure that you have gained control. 
And that's where, even with, with the scripture verse that we read this morning, or that Rob had read, where it said, I discipline my body and keep it under control. You want to make sure that you are in total control of every movement and every range of motion that you move through. So if you're going to go and do an exercise where you're lifting a weight over top of your head, I want to make sure that I can actually control that joint in that position. So I might hold it in an isometric where I'm not actually moving, but I'm just going to hold this position. I could push back against a wall. I can push out against a wall. I can push forwards against a wall. And I'm creating an environment for that shoulder to strengthen and create control so that I know that I can then properly go through the dynamic aspect of that movement. Isometrics have been around for decades upon decades upon decades. It's nothing new, but I think about it a little bit differently. So isometrics have always been known in more of a rehab setting. The way that I look at it is, is from a performance aspect. So you can actually benefit from a full isometric workout where you don't actually have to move through your workout, um, but it's dependent on how hard you actually create that contraction. So I'm going to give you guys a, a couple exercises here. So Rob was talking about the, the sedentary lifestyle, so where we're all seated at our desks and, and we're trying to figure out, well, how do we add more exercise, more movement to our lifestyles with, with the limited amount of time that we have? If you guys are sitting at a desk all day long, there are a handful of exercises that you can actually go through. So I'm going to try to get everybody to do this. So you're sitting in a chair. That's all you need to do. First thing you need to do is just sit up nice and tall. All right? Now, I'm actually going to grab a chair. So if I'm sitting up nice and tall, I've got this back of the chair. I'm going to cross my hands on my chest or have them down by your side, but you just want to make sure that you are going to, we're going to rotate to the left side. Everybody's going to the left. Right? So you're going to rotate until you can feel your shoulder hit into the back of your chair. And you're going to push into the back of the chair, and you're going to hold that for about 10 seconds. And you're going to rotate back into the middle. Could everybody feel some of those muscles down the left side of your back working? Maybe even to your abdominals a little bit, right? So now you can rotate to the right side. We can do the same thing where you're now pushing into the back of the chair on the right side. Everybody looks fantastic. Form is perfect. Well done. All right, and you can feel now the right side of your back working, right? Perfect. Come back to the middle. Now, I'm assuming if you're working at a desk, you're going to have like arms to your chair. So rather than just rotating, we can't necessarily do this here, but you can bend to the left and you can put your arm into the armrest of your chair and you can press to the left and you can press to the right. The harder you push, the greater the contraction within your muscles. So let's take an example where somebody can lift, physically lift 100 pounds. If you can lift 100 pounds, and that is the most that they can lift, is that considered a max lift? But they still lifted it. 
the only way to actually create a max contraction within your muscles is to not actually lift anything because it is heavier than what you can actually do. So in an isometric, wait, I should back up just a second. Does, does that make sense or no? No? So if I go to pick up this water bottle, I can physically pick it up. It means that I am stronger than the weight of that bottle. If that bottle weighed 100 pounds, but I can only lift 99, I am going to have to work as hard as I possibly can to attempt to lift that, but I won't be able to move it because it is more than what I can physically lift. If I could lift 101 pounds, and that only weighs 100, I'm not actually putting my muscle through its maximum contraction because there's that one pound difference between what I can do and the weight of that object. Does that make sense? So in order to create that mass contraction, you have to be pushing against an object that you cannot physically move. Right? So if you were to rotate and you were to push or hold, an ob or hold that position and push as hard as you can, you are creating a maximal effort contraction within your muscles. We're good? Perfect. Science right now and the research out there right now is showing that 30 minutes of max effort contractions, isometric contractions, is the equivalent of three hours of movement. If you could be in a gym for 30 minutes versus three hours, what would you choose? 30 minutes, because time is always a limiting factor with what we can actually do. So if you want to be able to improve on your health with limited amount of time, a maximum contraction through an isometric is a fantastic option. I'm not saying to not move, because we still have to move, but these isometric contractions are going to make you better at all of the movement stuff that you actually do. And that is one of the most fantastic things that I love about isometrics. So we're at our gym, we're one of the few gyms that actually puts a lot of emphasis on isometric strength training. Um, because we've just, it's, the research out there is relatively new, but the benefit from it, it, it far outweighs um, any other type of exercise that you could actually go through. Again, I'm not saying not to do the other stuff, but the isometric exercise and that thought process is just a great way to start because you're not moving through anything. You're creating that control in your body. You're creating an opportunity for your muscles to actually um, work as hard as they can and still get the benefit. And I think ultimately our goal is to move more proficiently. And again, going back to that first kind of question that I posed was, is exercise um, enhancing efficient motion or reinforcing compensation? So if you exercise through a compensation, you're just going to further exacerbate that compensation. It's not necessarily creating efficient motion unless you're actually working through an efficient pathway. So the, the notion, I've, I've always heard growing up playing sports, I was always told that practice makes perfect, practice makes perfect, practice makes perfect. But what if you're practicing something imperfectly? It's not gonna make perfect. It's just gonna reinforce that compensation. 
So the only practice that makes perfect is perfect practice. And you want to make sure that when you exercise, you're practicing it perfectly. And part of that is gaining that control through those ranges of motion. That is what I feel should be the starting of every fitness program, every, every physical fitness um, regimen or routine comes from the control. And that's what I liked about that scripture verse um, so much was, was just that, that one line, as I discipline my body and keep it under control. Uh, and even before that, um, I don't know the exact wording, but it, it talks about how you, you don't run aimlessly. Your exercise should never just be an aimless exercise program. It should not be, oh, there we go. Um, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. If you go to an exercise class and you just aimlessly do exercise for the sake of moving and, and this is what I think I should be doing, you might not be getting the benefits that you need because you have to focus on what you need. And don't do it aimlessly, but do it with a thought process involved. Thank you. It's so important as Christians that we don't just say, oh, my spiritual life is just my prayer life and my devotional life. It has to include the other elements of health. Why? Because in eternity that God is leading us into, we believe in a real resurrection. We believe that God calls us to live as physical beings together with him forever. And God calls us to live in perfect health. And so that's the calling that God has for us. And so as we learn to foreshadow the fulfillment of everything that God's promised to do, we practice health. We practice what it means to be healthy. And I know that churches oftentimes don't spend time to talk about, oh, well, we should be doing this. And, uh, and, and really, we, we've set some time aside in this year's schedule to talk about what it is to be healthy because it is important. Let me pray, and then, and then we're going to uh, finish with one song. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you have given us bodies, that, that you've given us muscles that work, that you, have, that you have called us to use them. In Thessalonians, Paul says that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And he's talking about actually labor. But we also know that if we don't move our bodies, if we don't stay healthy, our bodies start to shut down. And so, God, I pray that, that each one of us would take something today, learn and be inspired towards continuing um, in our own physical health. And I pray that you would grow us all in this and, uh, and allow us to glorify you. In Jesus' name.